Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Again, welcome to church. Today, if you're in the room, you're joining us online. Thank you so much. You know, just like Tyler was uh, ministering there a few seconds ago, uh, this series really is all about, you know, being a sound uh, for the gospel, being a sound for the way that God would have us to live. And it's so important for the church right now to use our voices to talk about the faithfulness of God and faith in God. The scripture says there's many voices out in the world and none without signification and that our voice is also important. Can I get an Amen. The voice of following Jesus is so important in this season to remind ourselves about the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God. All right, we started a series last week, and it is called That Sounds Better. And the idea of this series is that we are to live our lives like well-played music. That music, good music, connects with us on a level, even if you aren't musical, even if you aren't a good musician, um, you can tell when, when certain notes are played well and how it connects with us. And this, this beautiful pattern that we see in music is very similar to the patterns, successful patterns in the scripture that we would live it out and our lives would be a tremendous melody for people to listen to or a tremendous harmony for people to listen to. And uh, kind of sometimes when we see these ideas in scripture, they maybe seem like opposing ideas, but then coming together, they work very well together and they produce a very good sound. We talked about grace and truth last week and how they were manifest completely in the life and ministry of Jesus in seemingly very different sounds, but coming together in, in Jesus. And then they're supposed to be coming together in us that we can live a life of grace and truth, that we can accept God's grace. And then we can also accept God's truth. But then both of those things, we need to live those things out. We need to have convictions based on the truth of the word of God, but then we also need to live in grace with people who don't agree with us. Can I get an amen? So we got to live out that grace and truth, two different sounds, but coming together to make a really good single sound. Now, just music, the word music uh, is the simultaneous combination of tones, especially when blended into chords, pleasing to the ear. And, uh, you know, we actually have a, one of our city groups is actually, they talk about music. And I, I really feel like this is a great discussion for all of our city groups. Um, just how, actually, I feel like well-played music just teaches us so much about existence, as it were. Um, in my youngest over here, who is uh, the most musical of, uh, between my wife and my oldest daughter and her, and she's just music all the time. She plays music, she sings, and then when we're in the car together, she has a multiple playlist for multiple different reasons and different titles and stuff like that. And sometimes she will put on a specific playlist and she will play the first note of a song and she'll skip to the next song. And then one note gets out and she's looking for something. She's looking for some sort of sound. And what I would discover with musical people, uh, I, I'm sort of a musical person, not really. I'm kind of jealous of the musical people. Um, what we're looking for when it comes to music is either something to agree with maybe the mood that we're in or something to help change our mood. Something to get us out of the funk we're in, and we need a song to help us to do that. Or if we've just gone through a breakup, we want someone to cry with us, so we're searching the radio for 
you know, a love gone wrong song, and we know that the music will somehow connect with us on a level that we can't actually understand. So we actually have a couple tremendous musicians with us on the stage today who are going to give us a tremendous demonstration, both of which I am jealous of. These guys are just great musicians. Now, Dan, I remember Dan, when he came into youth group, when I was pastor, I think he was like 13, and we were you know, doing a series about jobs and careers and stuff like that, and what you would want to do in the future as you get older, and it's very distinct in my memory that Dan wanted to be a musician. So how, old, how many years ago was that when you were 13, Dan? How old do you know? 33? 20 years ago. Dan and I had this interaction, and I still remember it. And look, friends, he's playing music. And, and that, there's something about that. There's something about certain young people that music just comes out of them. They're able to sit with an instrument, and they can sit and play, or they can sit and play, and just flows out of them seemingly. And then Luis over here is actually taking music program at Humber. So there's no pressure on these two guys this morning to actually sound good on the stage. But they are going to give us a couple of demonstration here uh, of some really well-played music and then something else. So, okay, guys, lay it out, and they're going to give us some good music right now. friends. You pulled it off. And I looked out at a bunch of you, and a bunch of you were like feeling it. You got your bodies into it, and you were connecting with it. And I feel like, once again, when we align ourselves to the Word of God, we can be living a life, and somebody can be bobbing their head along to how we're living our lives. So well done, guys. But now they're going to play a little bit something different that I know it's going to pain them, since they're so good, but they're going to give us another presentation. them pain up here to do this. Did anybody feel the pain in the room? <laughs> See, even if you aren't, even, thank you guys so much. Well done. So good. And that was the, the same for Rebecca last week when she, I told her to play something wrong. Like it was like her facial expression. She was giving off the pain. Were you feeling the pain in the second song? See, God doesn't want us to live that way. And a little bit, this is how our society is. We're listening to it, and we're like, there's just something not connecting. There's a wrong rhythm happening, or there's a, a wrong melody happening. And God doesn't want us to live that way, that he actually has a melody line and a harmony line for us that we can live out, and we can live out music, as it were. When we... Um, 
You know, when we see babies, like I said, mentioned last week, that you could see uh, babies that have no musical training of any time, you can play some music for them, and they will move to the rhythm of the music, and they will connect with it. And then we can um, recognize that emotion that music gives to us, that it makes us feel a certain way and then maybe not such a good way. There's some people that can read music. There's some people that can explain music, but then there's others who can just embody music. And this is how the life that God has for us to live, that our lives should be like well-played music. Romans chapter 12, verse 16 says this, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So what does he call us to do? He wants us to live in harmony. This is a call for us, that when there's um, some things happening in the world that God has another note for us to play, that we are going to choose to live peaceably with all, that we can be harmonious with others, that we can disagree with others, but then also live in harmony with one another. And this is the call that God would have for us. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 says this, above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Living out love binds everything together in perfect harmony. And like I said, there's a, there's a lack of harmony in society. That's why it's so important for us as the church, as the gathering, as individual Christ followers to live out that harmony of love. We don't want to tune our lives to the dysfunction of the culture. We want to tune our lives to the word of God so that we can live out harmoniously in the world that we live in. We want to sing the right notes from the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 says this, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. And this is what we want to achieve. We want to have a just weight. We don't want to just play one note like we had Rebecca do last week. Our lives aren't just one note over and over again. It's not just one thing. That there's, there's a balance that God has for us in the word. Once again, seemingly different things that actually go together really well that bring harmony in our lives. And what I'm going to be talking about today is this idea um, of how to be a good leader. Now, everybody in the room and everybody watching online, you are a leader. Leadership means influence. That means you have a measure of influence in the society that we're talking about, in, in the family that you live in, um, wherever you work, that you can be influential as it relates to your leadership. Now, when we think about leadership, it's very easy for people to think, well, I'm not in charge of anything, so I'm not a leader. I don't have the first chair of a company or, or something, or I'm not in charge of anything. I don't have a title, or I don't have a specific position. And so I'm really not a leader, but um, all of us have a measure of, of authority, that, an influence that we would have with those around us. And everyone, like I said, has influence. Kind of a famous term right now uh, in the culture, people are an influencer. And you are actually an influencer. God has called you to be an influencer. Now, one of the very easy things to do right now is to criticize leaders. 
And, and people can go online, you can use social media, you can just criticize leaders, and you can, you can look from the comfort of your own home, not actually doing anything, and just criticize people. We can be um, long on opinions, short on information, and we can just criticize, and we can criticize, and we can criticize, and we can, you know, call people out for certain things. Um, I, I found this, you know, when I, I worked... I worked with my dad before I became lead pastor here. I worked for my dad for 14 years. You know, and watching him as in the leadership role, the senior pastor here at the church, you kind of look at the leader and you'd be like, how hard is this really? How hard is it to be in charge of something? How is it, how difficult can it be to be in the number one chair and you're watching certain things and from your own perspective, from your own vantage point, from your old understanding of what goes into making a leadership decision, you kind of think... Really, is it this hard? And we can watch, you know, world leaders, uh, national leaders, and we could just, once again, sit from our homes and from our phones, and we could just tweet out criticism, and we could tweet out criticism of leaders. It's very thing to do. It's a common thing to do. We see it in Scripture. When the children of Israel came out of Egyptian bondage, and things didn't go exactly how they had planned right away, and what did they say? We need a new leader so we can go back to Egypt. Now, what I want to move away, move us away from is this idea of criticizing leaders. Once again, it's very easy to do that, but to think about our own leadership. Because we are all leaders here in this room. And how is it that I'm going to function in the leadership that I have? How am I stewarding the leadership that I have? Now, the word uh, stewardship, we see this over and over again in the New Testament. The word steward just means you're taking care of something. Property or an organization, the process of taking care of someone else's property while it's entrusted. And God has entrusted to you and me a measure of leadership. It's been stewarded to you. It's been given to you, not just because you have a phone in your hand, but because God has actually given you something. God has... um, delegated out to you a measure of influence. And the question is, how am I stewarding that influence? Now, we all know negative forms of leadership that can be uh, expressed this way, dominance and control and coercion and manipulation, self-serving. And once again, these negative things as it relates to leadership, don't, you don't have to be in the first chair. You don't have to be in charge of something to manifest these things, to do these things. We all have a measure of leadership, whether I have a, a big piece of authority or not. So I don't want to just be serving myself and all my desires. Once again, we know that that would be negative leadership. But what we want to do as godly stewards of the influence that God has given to us, we want to develop resources for God's glory and not your own. That's what I'm doing with godly stewardship. The measure of influence that God has given me, what I'm going to do? Well, I'm going to develop something for the glory of God. A bad leader is just going to develop something for themselves, right? Not just for me and how I can control something and coerce something to happen. I'm, I'm going to, as a godly leader, I'm going to be developing God's resources, the people around me. How am I going to develop those people around me? How can I be a blessing to those around me? I'm not going to just do it for myself. There's so many things in the scripture about leadership. If you, um, if you want to one time, uh, John Maxwell 
has gone through the scriptures called the Maxwell Leadership Bible, and he's taken the whole scripture, and he's found uh, leadership principles all through the scripture, and he's inserted them in the teaching and showing you where leadership shows up. It's all through the scripture. In the Old Testament, we see leaders, and we see good leaders, and we see bad leaders, and how they acted. And once again, it's not, oh, someone else is a leader. You're a leader. You have influence. Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. Wait a minute, Jesus. I don't feel like these two notes work together. I feel like this is a mismatch melody and harmony because someone who would be great, they would have all of the power. They would, be, they would have all of decision-making. They, they could do all of the things that we could say this, and they would be in charge, and they could tell us what to do. But Jesus tells us this measure of greatness, and Jesus wants all of you to be great. Everybody in the room, everybody watching online, he, all, he wants all of us to function with a great sound from our lives, a great song that we would sing. And once again, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be a president or a prime minister or a CEO of a company, that all of us at every stage of our lives have a measure of influence with those around us. And Jesus says, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest will be your servant. And these two different notes, these two different things that are seemingly not the same thing, Jesus is telling us that these things mix together Understanding out of how to be a great leader and how to be a servant, this is, will be a great sound that will come from our lives. Verse 12, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The way up is down, Jesus says. Well, I, I want to go up. I want to climb the corporate ladder. I want to step on anybody I can step on. I want and Jesus like, no, 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 no. If you exalt yourself, you're going to be humble. But the way up is to humble yourself. But what, what is, how does all of that play out? What does all of that mean? Because if I think if I have influence, does that mean I don't use my voice? I, I don't do anything because I'm, I'm trying to be humble. How do, how do I function in this humility that God has for me in the area? Because I, you said you want me to be great. That there's, a, there's this call for greatness. How are we going to achieve this in the kingdom of God? There's a very famous friendship relationship in the Old Testament. We're going to look at three stories now that illustrate for us what good leadership looks like. David and Jonathan in the Old Testament, they were friends. And we know that David was anointed to be king many years before he was king. But Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had a son named Jonathan. If you know anything about monarchies, the son automatically takes the rule of the kingdom. So it would make sense that Jonathan, Jonathan was in first in line to the, the throne of Israel, and so he was obviously going to be king. But then God anointed David through the prophet to be king of Israel. And so this could have caused actually a friction between these two individuals, that Jonathan could have been very jealous of David, and that he could have been like, no, I have the, I have the rightful place to the, the place of power, to the throne. But Jonathan realized that God had a call on David's life. And this is what we see this conversation. First Samuel 23, verse 15 says this. And while David was at Horesh, 
in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. So Saul was a little bit jealous of David because the prophet had anointed him to be king. So he's up there trying to get him. Listen to what it says. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh to help and helped him find strength in God. He said, don't be afraid. He said, my father, Saul, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. Now listen. And I will be second to you. Even my father, Saul, knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home. But David remained at Horash. So Jonathan, who had a rightful place to the throne, according to birth order, said to David, I will be second to you. And this is what healthy leadership sounds like. That all of us in the context of our lives, we are going to be operating in this second chair, even if we sit in the first chair. It's like, well, how can this be? How can you have full responsibility, but then also be like, oh, I'm going to be second to you. I'm going to place myself in this supportive role to you. And this is, once again, this is what healthy leadership looks like. It looks like serving. How can I serve you? And once again, in our culture in the West, we have elected officials and we have, uh, and what do we call them? Public servants supposed to be serving the public. What, what is a famous slogan of the police force? To serve and protect. And so somebody in a healthy leader, functioning in a healthy leadership role, they're going to see themselves as a servant. Jonathan says to David, I will be second to you. And this is what good leadership looks like. How can I support you? Once again, even if you're you're, you're not in the main number one seat. How, how can I be a blessing to you? How can I serve you? The, the, a famous quote, it says, the most difficult instrument to play in an orchestra is second fiddle. Why? Because nobody wants to be second. I want to be in charge. I want to have the title. I want to have the position. I want to be the final decision maker. Leonard Bernstein, a famous composer, says this. The second fiddle, I can get plenty of violinist to play the first violin. But to find someone to play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony. This other note that needs to be sung. And this is, once again, this is what healthy relationships look like. I will be second to you. This is what a healthy marriage looks like. That we're going to support one another and be there for each other. You know, there's, uh, you know, I give all of these examples many times with my wife who's so gifted in so many different areas that I'm not gifted in. And those areas that she's gifted in, what should I do? I need to play the first violin, my love. Because God has given me the rulership over this home. And I'm the spiritual leader of this house. No, that, that would be bad leadership. Good leadership looks like, hey, you're more gifted than me in this. I'm going to be second fiddle to you. It doesn't mean I'm still not the godly leader in my home, but godly leadership looks like this. I am going to support all that, all that God has gifted Nicole to you to do. What am I going to do? I'm going to support that. 
And then I won't speak for her, but I will speak for her because she does this. She says the same to me. What do you, what do you, here's this area, you know, babe, I'm going to support you in this. This is what healthy relationships do. This is what godly leadership looks like. What is, what is the negative version of that? Uh, manipulation, control, coercion. We see it in the heart of what Jonathan said. I will be second to you. Another story here with Jesus and his disciples in Matthew chapter 20. Verse 20, this is a funny story. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with, with her sons, kneeling before him when she asked him for something. So James and John, their mom is coming to Jesus. <laughs> now, we know the disciples are young, but this is not a good idea, guys. This is like, come on. If you want to ask Jesus for something, don't send your mom the mom comes up and Jesus, and he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and the other your left in your kingdom. Now, once again, they thought Jesus' kingdom was going to be an earthly kingdom, that they would be able to see that Jesus was going to be king of Israel. This was his destination. And so they, she wanted uh, her two sons to, see, to sit at the place of authority with Jesus. First of all, like, dudes, don't send your mom. Man up. Ask the question if you want. So she's there. She's like, hey, I want one to sit beside this side, and I want them to be in charge with you. And once again, this is what we think leadership is. I just want to be in charge. I want to be the final decision maker. And this is one of the things that I learned, you know, watching my dad for all of these years and then sitting in the lead role here at the church is like, wow, this is way more about responsibility than it is about having a title or having a position. See, when we realize we have leadership, this is a responsibility that we have in life to be a godly leader. James and John, their mom was coming and say, hey, Jesus, can they sit on either side? Verse 22, Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said, and we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom and is prepared by my father. In other words, this is not my choice. This is God's choice. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. I don't know why they were indignant. Maybe they were indignant because they didn't think of it first. They didn't think to get their mom to come ask Jesus for something. Or maybe they didn't ask Jesus themselves, hey, we want to be in charge with you, Jesus. They were upset. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. What is that talking about? Authority or rulership. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Who? His disciples. That's them, and then that's us. That this is not how we should think. This is not how we should operate in the world. Well, can, I just need a title. I need to be in charge. I need the place of authority. I need the place of power. It's not going to be so with you. But listen, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever is going to be great must be the servant. 
The way up is down. Two different notes, but play the necessary melody of leadership. Whoever be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus, who we'll see here in a second, had all power and all authority. What did he come to do? He came to serve. He came to serve. He didn't come to dominate. He didn't... uh, come to be a person of coercion. He didn't come to force things on people. He came to serve. This is what godly leadership looks like. There's another form of leadership out in the world. Don't sing that song. Here's the song for us to sing in our homes, on the job, in our lives. The one who actually had all of the power, what did he say? I've come to serve. I've come to sacrifice my life for others. See, when we think about leadership when we're young, we we see our parents and what are our parents doing? Well, they're just telling us what to do all the time. And you're kind of like, oh, I I can't wait till I could tell people what to do all the time because this is obviously leadership. And then when when we get a little bit older, we once again, like I just mentioned, that we realize leadership is all about responsibility. It's all about using the godly influence, stewarding the godly influence God has given us. Firstly, in the home. God has given us a voice, parents, with our children. We have to use that voice for God. How does God want to develop our children? What has God placed on the inside of our children? What is the will of God for our children's lives, not my own? I'm not trying to do something self-serving through my children. Whatever God has placed on the inside of them, that's what I want to serve. Hey, you have this gift? We're going to send you to school for that. You know, I wanted them both to be dental surgeons when we had to have some dental surgery a little while ago, and I'm thinking, holy smokes, these guys are raking it in. I'm like, hey, does anybody want to switch to dental surgery? But that would be self-serving. I don't want to do that. I want to serve God's purposes in their lives. And that's what I want for you all. That's what I want for you all watching online. And this is why I always send you to God. This is why I want you to have faith in God. This is why I want you to learn how to pray. Because I am not the source of all things. I am constantly pointing you to God because he is the one that has your destiny. He is the one that has what you need. He is the one that knows the plan of God for your life. That's what I want to serve in you. And that's why we want you to move closer to Jesus. Because the more you move closer to Jesus, the more that becomes clear. And we, as the church staff and church leadership, we want to serve you in that. So leadership is not just telling people what to do. It's investing your life for others. It's what godly leadership looks like. And serving, once again, takes on the appropriateness of the moment. 
Serving takes on encouragement, correction, teaching, always done in love. You think, well, that means uh, kids should serve parents, parents should serve kids, uh, wives should serve husbands, husbands should serve wives. And this is how godly leadership is going to get worked out in our lives in every respect. To live this out, this is a certain song to sing. And that's why I'm saying, what does it look like to serve your children? Well, correction serves your children. Your children need to be served correction. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's how you live (laughs) in service to your children. And once again, they get to the right age. What do we want to do? Hey, what has God put in you? I want to serve that. I want to help that thing be developed. I want to serve the destiny that God has on your life. Last story here in John chapter 13. Verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put in in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So what does this statement mean? That all power, all authority is here in Jesus' hands. And I want you to listen to the godly expression of leadership because there is an ungodly one out there. Jesus said, he's got all this power and he's got all of this authority. Rose from the supper, he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this was very significant in this moment. Once again, we might not understand this. But at every house, there was a servant who would wait for people at the door because, once again, no paved roads and everybody was wearing sandals. And when you would come inside, your feet would be dirty from walking on the dirt road. And there would be a servant at the door who would have a towel around their waist and their job would be to wash the feet of the people who were coming in the house. And once again, this was thought of maybe the lowliest serving position in the house. Just waiting at the door to wash your feet. And so here Jesus, with all power and all authority, he's showing his disciples something. He's showing his disciples a song to sing with their lives. He already had a couple disciples come to him looking for a power grab. We, we want to take the power. And then here Jesus is showing them, when you have power and when you have authority, what are you going to do with it? And everybody in the room and everybody watching online has a measure of power and a measure of authority. What are we going to do? Are we going to try to take it from somebody else? So I can get more power and I can get more authority? Now, how has that worked out in human history? And it hasn't worked out well. He came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash your feet, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. I love Peter. He's such an extremist. Jesus said to him, he's like, don't wash me. And he's like, okay, wash, give me a whole bath. The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. And once again here, he's not talking about physical dirt, talking about Judas. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? And this is what Jesus constantly asks us. Do you understand? Because we need to understand what Jesus is showing us here. It's really important for us to understand because this needs to be our voice. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I, so I am. And then if your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done. Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who is sent. And we are the ones that are sent. Jesus has sent us into the world. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Here is the doing of godly leadership. Once again, I, I understand that in certain circles in Christianity, you know, people do foot washing situations in their church services. And this is not the exact point Jesus is making. You know, people do that. They're free to do that. But I'm assuming you will be able to wash your own feet this morning. What Jesus was showing us is that he placed himself others as to serve them. Not placing myself under you because you are better than me. No, that's not the point of the discussion. The point of the discussion is that I want to serve. And that Jesus served the disciples and he said, this is actually what I want you to do. Do you understand what I just did for you? Because this applies to every area of life. And if you understand this in your business, if you do this, you will be successful. If you think I am here to serve my customers, you will have a successful business. This is the principle, a godly leadership principle. And this is how we should function in our lives. I'm here to serve. I want to serve you. I want to be a blessing to you. I'm not here to manipulate you with my leadership. I'm not here to coerce you into something. I'm not here to force you into something because I'm the leader. No, I want to serve. And this attitude, this attitude would transform the world. It will change the world, and the world needs to be changed. If we carry this attitude, once again, we're not carrying a legalism. It's like, hey, get me some water and take off your shoes. That's not the point of the discussion. It's the spirit of leadership that we would carry with us, the spirit of leadership, the spirit of serving, that I would consider, like the scripture says, everybody better than me. Why? Because then I can serve them. Taking the opportunity to serve in its proper context, in its proper place, that we would carry the heart of the servant. The greatness 
of any moment in life will be seized through serving. Let's just pray this morning. Father God, we just thank you today for Jesus, that he gives us this great and amazing example of godly leadership. And God, with whatever measure of influence that we have right now, regardless of the age that we are right now, God, we pray that we can use the leadership that you have given us. We want to be good stewards of the leadership that you have given us, the influence that you have given us in this moment of our lives. And we take it seriously, Lord. We don't put it aside. We look at your example. We want to understand what you just taught us from your words. We want to live this out. We thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if you are here in the room today or you're watching us online and you have never said yes to Jesus, that first step in your relationship with God, I'm going to leave you in a prayer here in a second. And that prayer just is making a commitment to your life to Christ. The good news, the gospel is all about Jesus, that he came and he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And he did all of that for us. He came to serve us. He came to serve us with eternal life. And all we have to do is say yes. We don't achieve a relationship with God by being perfectly moral because we aren't. We don't achieve a relationship with God by being super religious and then offering that religion to God. No, God offers us a gift of a relationship with himself and all we have to do is say yes. So if you have never done that today here in the room or watching us online, I'm gonna pray a prayer. You pray along with me. So church family, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life that he died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So today I say yes to your righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I call you my father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to turn from my own ways and I say yes to yours. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.